originally, I was going to be talking about smoking today. And I was thinking about it, and I realized, in order to make the points I want to make, it doesn't have to be about smoking. It could be about anything. It could be, be about anything that you want to do that you'd rather not do, but can't seem to stop. So smoking, of course, but also food, uh, porn, sex, stupid, selfish, self-centered relationships, hookup culture, hooking up, <laughs> getting in with the wrong person, you know, disastrous relationships, disastrous career choices, job hopping, could be anything. The obvious ones, the fixations with substances, of course, alcohol, foods, and drugs, and the others too, they all go to the exact same cause. So I don't have to only speak about smoking today. I can speak about anything, any obsession, any fixation. Because the cause and the solution to getting free is all the same. You see? And the evidence of this isn't having any habit at all or any obsessive behavior. So if it's alcohol, I mean drinking it. If it's food, I mean eating it. If it's nicotine, I mean of course, smoking it. Now, smoking, well, let's let's just use that for an example, though. Smoking. Take it or leave it, right? I don't think so. Or how about binging on foods, on uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream or custard creams or Jaffa cakes or Oreos and milk, dunking your Oreos, dunking donuts. Or how about weed? You think you can stop numbing your conscience with pot anytime you want to? How about gossip? How about, you know, just talking behind people's backs and highlighting their flaws to make yourself feel better? If you're doing any of these things, if you're doing that, there's something broken inside. It ensures that you cannot stop. I can stop anytime I want. I just don't want to right now. That's not true. That is not true. Now, I, I know that there are some people who would like to stop some of these things, and they're definitely ready to stop, but they're troubled. Right? They're troubled by the prospect of unpleasant withdrawal effects. So they put it off. I run into people like that all the time, especially with smoking. Who wants to go through that? <laughs> to them, it, it's just too easy to put it off for another week, another year, or some later phase of their life, some so-called better future never comes, though, because the future doesn't really exist. There's only now. So sticking with the nicotine example, right? A nicotine addict. The truth is, if you're addicted to smoking or to vaping or chewing tobacco, whatever, to cigars, you have no corn cob pipes, it doesn't matter. You have no choice, but you have to just stay with it. You've lost the power of choice. And the willpower that you suppose one day you'll use to kick the habit, that's the same willpower that's keeping you mentally obsessed with the effect of the antidepressant product, the nicotine in this case, in the first place. So here's where people get confused. And I get it. I really do. That word willpower. How can willpower keep me addicted? How can willpower make me addicted? I thought willpower would help me stop. No. No, that is incorrect. It's because you don't know. It's been kept from you what willpower is. Willpower is self-will. It comes down to the nature of self, and that's been hidden from you. You in the world, you and everyone in the world is being taught that self-will, willpower, is a good thing. It isn't a good thing. You're being taught that self, 
yourself is something to nurture and to grow and to love and to put on a pedestal and I must trust myself and I must listen to myself. <laughs> it's because you listened and trusted and dedicated your so-called love and allegiance to that self that you have every problem that you've ever had. And that's especially true with fixations, with substances and behaviors that you now have absolutely no control over. And that's because self, that thing that you've venerated, has taken over. It will not let you stop. Because it isn't you. You think it's you, but it's not. Its will is being done, not yours. You don't have one, but you've identified with it, and you can't see where the real you ends and it begins. And in order to continue not seeing it and not feel the pain of the guilt for allowing that to happen to you, you need help. And that's where the stupid things that you do come in, that's where you get your help from, and you cannot stop doing it. That's where all your fixations, your obsessions, your addictions, it's not rooted in genes. <laughs> it's not rooted in environment. It's not in physiology or psychology. You're barking up the wrong tree looking for solutions there. Oh, these can, look, these can play roles. They play roles in all of our earthly encounters, but obsessions, Addictions, these center in the mind where you connect metaphysically with either heaven or hell, whichever is your inclination. And that's why you can't will yourself to stop because it's the will that generated the need to keep going. Self-will is the problem. It's not the answer. And if it's a will and it's not God's will, well, then you know which of these two possible conditions you're keeping. And the pain of that chases you to hell and maybe never back. And so what do you do? How do you handle it? How do you meet this? You keep sending these powerful psychoactive substances and, and behaviors into your life, into your brain. That's right. Even looking for approval, it's psychoactive. Eating, it's psychoactive. Nicotine, heroin, Cocaine, money, work, entertainment, it's all psychoactive. It's a drug. So, so like when my stock portfolio goes up, right? It's like taking a shot of brandy. <laughs> I can bask in the glory, but I don't. I watch it instead. And then when it goes down, it's like someone kicked me in the belly. I watch that. I don't judge. I don't get upset. And nicotine and food, drugs, alcohol, all of that, gossip, these can all be self-administered medications and they allow you to feel better than you deserve to feel. These are your medicaments. You need to feel human as you become less human and these things help you. They help you forget what a, an animal you're becoming, how responsive to your environment. It's no joke. And as the bar for unrecognized anger goes up, it's raised, well, so does the level of the need for the drug. And you become worse. You're getting worse. And there seems no way to stop. But there is. There is a way to stop. And it has to do with disconnecting from the self. 
and allowing its will to suffer and to get weak and weaken and stop feeding itself so that the will of your creator can replace it and can dominate it instead of self-will. And that's what we talk about in these podcasts. And that's what I address in my videos and my books. And um, we're soon to roll some of these ideas, well, all of these ideas out in a major way. My whole family's doing it. My son, who's here with me right now, he's usually here. And my daughter, myself, of course. And we're, we're a family operation working very hard to get this message out. And um, I'm just mentioning it because you're soon going to be hearing about it in a very big way over the months to come. And I will keep that under the wraps exactly how the details right now. We don't have to get into, too, get into it too much unless you want to. But we're working very hard. And hard work is a very special thing. Hard work is, is spiritual. It's putting up labor, putting up money. Money is spiritual. It goes to light or dark depending on how you handle it, what your attitude is toward it, toward career, toward work, toward toil. Toil. The, these are very big subjects in the Bible even. Very spiritual. Financing, investing. I spent 17 years in, in, uh, in the financial services industry. I worked on Wall Street. I was a broker. I, was a, uh, I, worked for, I ran a broker-dealer firm. I won't get into it now. I was an investment banker. And I've seen and experienced the, the dark and the light side of money, high finance, as well as poverty. I grew up in poverty. So we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that in podcasts maybe to come. But for now, we are working very hard for little money for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, and soon we'll be rolling out some of the fruits of that. And I hope to share it with you in the world in a very big way. And uh, my son, Dan, is here. And we can talk about those things if he wishes, or or any subjects he or any subjects he wants to talk about. Since since you already mentioned it in the email in the newsletter, we're coming out with an app. It's okay. going to be an app. Oh, I did mention in the email. That's right. You're right. Yeah. You're correct. Um, I don't want to say any more than what we've said in the newsletter. Okay. But there's going to be an app, and I'm working on it. I'm coding, and uh, my father's, of course, uh, a major, the, the major component for it. And it's going to base around his work. And well, one thing uh, I'm not is a coder. No, you're not a coder. I missed out on you're that. You're not a programmer. No, I can't. I can't program. I can't write any. I can't write. I mean, I can write little lines of code that probably would have no use anymore. Yes. Out of context in a Word document to show me what you learned in 1985. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that's right. Um, but I'm coding. I took computer science in college. So uh, I'm learning as I go and I'm coding and we're going to come out with something. Sure. And you will hear about that in a few months because we're going to want help of some sort for people who are, are interested and like what we do. What we want to do is we want to do, we want to give it out to, uh, to, to people who listen to the podcast and, to, and get our emails and stuff like that. Yeah. So I want to give, yeah. give it out to them to use, get some feedback from them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. So. I think the world is ready. Okay. And there are other th there, there are other things too. It's not it's not only the app. There's a lot of stuff. So we'll we'll leave the details out. People will find out as we go along. But we've already we're said enough on that. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Dan, you're working very hard on this stuff. What, how do you feel about working hard? You you're working very hard for for no money. <laughs> no money like yeah. I am. So for now. For now. <laughs> so how do you how do you feel about that? I feel fine. Because I like making lots of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I feel fine for now. I have friends who are trying to make lots of money right? and some friends who aren't and 
none of them seem any happier than the others. So, right. um, I, I don't particularly think that it's a, a major thing right now. I'd, I'd rather do something that I feel, I feel is important. Right. And then just see what happens from there. I, we were talking about that the other day. I don't know if you remember. I, I mentioned about having, doing something for the sake of making money or doing something for the sake of a mission that you have. Yeah. So you have these people, called, they call themselves uh, serial entrepreneurs. Right. So that means that their primary focus is on making the money. But where is, where is the, where is the, I, they call it passion, but where is the, uh, I can't think of the word. You mean the sense of value in what they do almost? I guess the sense of value in what they do. Where is their mission? What is their mission and purpose? Yeah. Well, I will tell you that as somebody who who has learned from quote unquote serial entrepreneurs, even in college, right. not not as mentors, but I mean even as professors and um, stuff like that, they see the creation of of something from nothing, something that brings value to other people, right. as a mission in itself. So if they can expedite a process, if they can make they did something, they created something that made your life easier somehow, that generated wealth, generated jobs, generated opportunity, eased life in some way for, yes. for people. They see that as itself a goal. Okay, so that is a fantastic- So they do that over and over again. I, no, you see, that's that's what I'm talking about. That is a fantastic goal. That is a wonderful objective. Yeah. I, I agree with it. I don't it's, disagree. It's great. Why not- continue with that and perfect that and expand that and make it make it and expand take it take it take it from your market and expand it to different markets and perfect it well they do but then they sell it i mean if, <laughs> if they sell what, what if steve jobs had just walked away from apple uh yeah that's you, different well he didn't have that goal he his goal was doing that in a specific way with a specific category of, of things he right computers he wanted right. to and technology but uh a lot of these people they they don't have a specific category. They just see that as a good thing to have. But it's almost like they, they they said, listen, I have this idea and it's worth something to somebody. Now you take it and you make it the best thing in the world. I just made, I just got you started. Now you take it. Give me some money and now I'm going to move on to something else. Yeah. That's what they do. I don't, I don't see that as fulfilling. Well. Sorry. That's why you're not doing it. I would rather take something worth doing and make it a worthwhile cause to keep perfecting it, making it better and better and better and increasing it. Yeah. Because not everyone is going to know about it at first and you have to, you have to expand your market. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what I would, that's what I would prefer to do. And I was kind of poking fun at that serial entrepreneur kind of, kind of deal. I think people should be entrepreneurs and they should be entrepreneurs in the business. I'm not saying that people can't change careers or do something else. Well, it's almost like being an inventor. So if you if you develop a product that you're really passionate about and you spend your life perfecting it and then creating a business around it, you're really not an inventor. You invented something right. that became your own and you and you stuck with it. But an inventor invents things over and over again and mm -hmm. patents them and maybe sells them off. Right. And he gets his joy from the actual process of inventing. So I so I guess we do need that we do need inventors. Oh yeah, yeah, you do need inventors and serial entrepreneurs do the same thing except they do that for building businesses. Right. It'd be like, I don't know, 
imagine a weird example like if you built sandcastles you you i don't know sandcastle competitions is that a thing i feel like that's a thing for adults i bet it is where i feel like in california that's a thing I'll i don't bet know it is uh you build things over and over, and then maybe you sell them. Or even even real estate developers. That's probably a better example. Wait, I want to sell a sandcastle. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you, you get your joy from the actual process of doing it. Right. Then you marvel at the work, and then it's gone. Then mm. it's like, okay, and move on to the next one. Yeah. So, you don't have to stick with it as your baby forever, which, on the other hand, some entrepreneurs want that because they're not really interested in the actual... Uh, or their primary goal isn't the actual art of building a business. That's not what they find enthralling. It's it's the fact that they have behind that, even if that is exciting, they have a, a goal. They have a mission in mind. So I guess it's a good thing because if you take, it can be a good thing. So let's take Tesla, for example. Okay. Someone invented that. Elon Musk didn't invent that. He didn't invent Tesla cars. He came along as an investor and then became the front man. And now he's the face of Tesla. Yes. And he's the one fueling the growth of, of tesla he does have a vision he's got a vision it's his vision goes in a lot of times inv inventors are not good visionaries i think no a lot of the time they're not yeah so you need a, a son invent okay so i could see the value of it so these are basically basically an, an entrepreneur a, a serial entrepreneur is a visionless non-creative person well no they might have a vision but it might be a short-term vision their vision is basically to line their pockets and just move on to something else well the vision might include the the help and and eventually passing it off to somebody passing else. off to somebody yeah. else but they don't know what to do with it after that yeah i i can't relate to that i don't feel that way i'm i've never been interested in starting something and then just like getting rid of it getting rid of it and no. i know i know it's not it's not always easy like Serial entrepreneurs will have a tough time. It's like even they even like, oh man, like, you know, oh, I built this, but they still do it. They still sell their company. Sure. You know? So the other thing you said that I found interesting on the other topic you were talking about is people doing things to feel more human as they become less human. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing because when when you're a child, if you remember back to like childhood, like like six, seven years old, you would you would wake up and you would, you know, go have breakfast, walk around, go to school. <clears throat> and there, without all these distractions in your life, such as over, uh, well, some kids are fat, right? But overeating. I was a fat kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you weren't that fat. You were just chubby, I think. Yeah, right? I, I was kind of chubby. I would say chubby. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, they're, they're like obese kids. Right. But um, you would wake up and you would go to school and you would live and you would experience life. And it felt like you were really living life. It feels like you're in the moment. You're, you're, you're almost appreciating each moment as, as a child. There's no constant cell phone use. There's no constant on TV or, or smoking a cigarette or, or whatever all of the possibilities are to hide whatever annoyances, pain, resentment you're suppressing. Right. But when you, you hit a certain age, usually I think uh, when you're a teenager, where you don't even realize it. Oh, music is a big one. You start doing these things to distract from the the angst and the pain you're feeling. That's exactly correct. And even now I'll wake up and like I'll have thoughts on my mind or like, you know, I'm drinking a cup of tea, which you can drink a cup of tea. You can have thoughts on your mind. But I realize like, oh, wait, behind there, behind those things, there's 
a little a little buzz of annoyance for, for something it might be could could be anything really even the fact that uh the, the lawn isn't mowed and i need to mow it and i know it and i thought about it last night and i'm still remembering it now whatever you have these little resentments and you don't even realize they're there and you go about your life performing all the functions that are normal not really not realizing that every moment you're you're actually spending covering up the pain that's happening in the background right so you're using you, normal things as a distraction is yeah yes so you take you take a moment and you kind of happened this morning where i step back and realize like oh wait like i'm just here right now and when i realized that like okay i just woke up i'm here and i oh what's that little feeling a little annoyance floating around mm -hmm. hmm that's interesting <clears throat> wow I, I didn't notice that 10 seconds ago when i was thinking about if we need to buy more tea bags <laughs> you know and and eating a muffin for breakfast whatever <laughs> i wasn't thinking about that then now i oh wait that's there okay and in that moment where you're seeing that all of a sudden you feel a little more childlike what feels like childlike because that's how we were when we were children and real in reality it's just more human to to be in the present and experience life in, in in the present like that and you feel a little bit better not emotionally the same way you know a cup of tea makes you feel quote unquote better or a muffin will make you feel better in a in a in a, in a dopamine and endorphin sense but you start to feel better in a in a in a in a peaceful sense it's like oh okay. so did you wait this this experience that you're talking about yeah let's use this one as an example did you feel better observing that that little din of of displeasure did you feel better or were you better i know you got i know you felt better distracting yourself with thoughts but could you also feel better by observing what i'm yeah what i'm what i mean was i don't i don't mean i felt better in a in, an, in, a, in pleasure a pleasure way. seeking yeah, sense right. i'm saying i felt better as in it felt good to see that i actually felt bad right it's good to right. see, it's good to identify i was like oh i that's actually pretty crummy like it, it actually wasn't that bad but it, but it's like oh there's actually some some unhappiness in here some discontent right and i saw that and then i i don't think oh i'm gonna feel better now but then it's like oh you just get a little more peaceful that's right that. you do get peaceful you, you know, know why because when when that happens you're able to separate from that you separate from that connection that connection of that emotional connection yeah. and that's through your thoughts because what you're doing what you were doing right there is where you were watching your thoughts right, right. there that's yeah, a meditative sure. state sure so you're watching your thoughts and when you watch your thoughts the emotional content energy from those thoughts that are conveyed break off and they and you you escape from them and so, you can still see them though. so when that happens you feel almost childlike in that when that happens often when you're a child before you're a child. before you get all these you don't have the distractions yeah, right right so you do that and it, it's not like i said it's not actually like a child it's that it's reminiscent of how how it was how it was when you were more human back during childhood <laughs> right. you become less you know? human right so and that's what happens because you had mentioned some of the some of the things mm -hmm. so or you mentioned becoming a teenager yeah so what happens is the child becomes a teenager and then these dis more distractions become available so an eight-year-old yeah. has no access to let's say cigarettes 
but a 12 year old, he does. <laughs> so he, he starts smoking. Oh man. Right. You grew up in a different time. <laughs> Why? It's still true. Some places I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, Okay, 12 so year olds on Cape Cod do not smoke cigarettes for the, for the most part. <laughs> in the Bronx in 1968, they did. Yeah, and you're also getting drunk on rooftops. So, well, that, no, that was 13. Oh, okay. Okay. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but when you're young, when you're really young, what do you have access to? It's a matter of what the substance and the behavior that you have access to. Yeah. So you have access, what, first to food. So you talked about being a chubby kid. Yep. So that's what we learned to do. That's the first abused substance because that's what our, we're actually given food our mothers give us food so we abuse and then the mothers see the pleasure that we get and then they get addicted to to giving us the pleasure we get addicted to our mothers that way it's it's a terrible thing actually and there's also video games now for children that's a big yeah one. video games i had i guess i had some problems with video games when i was um up. yeah i wouldn't call it a problem but i saw that it could become a problem yeah it, well it's interesting because Video games are addictive in nature, right. I think, too. So, some things are, are, are actually addictive in nature. It depends and some on whether are, or not you abuse them. And some are necessary, like food. You have to eat food. No one has to smoke a cigarette. No one yeah. has to have a video game. Yeah, that's true. You could abuse healthy food, too. People get addicted to health food. Back to adolescence. Right. We're talking about that. I remember one of the first times i experienced something like that was um i started to listen to music on the bus on the way to school like a typical 13 year old kid mm -hmm. headphones and i had a little mp3 player still then <laughs> yeah, right yeah, yeah um i think it was a, a, a zune is it called know. a zune was that the was that the windows one maybe zune? maybe My, but it, uh, microsoft rather no i think i bought you like some little five dollar thing at cvs or something. no 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 i don't mean that one i mean the one that had a little Wheel. A, little, a little wheel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Right. It wasn't an action. No, no. It was a, It was an imposter. It was a knockoff. It was an imposter. Yeah, yeah. It was a knockoff. Uh, it was. It was a knockoff Zune. Yeah, it was. Which is already almost like a knockoff iPod. So right. Which is all. Yeah, exactly. Right. So anyway, I used to have that with the headphones, and I had a song stuck in my head. Probably had some angst, some typical teenage angst, and song. You know, made me feel better. And then I realized the song was stuck in my head. Right. And the song was stuck in my head for like three days straight. Yeah. And I remember telling you, I said, Dad, I have a song stuck in my head. I'm I'm literally sick of it. I'm being tortured by this song. And uh What was it? What was the song? It was Generation Landslide by <laughs> Alice Cooper. <laughs> okay. Because I'm your son. Yeah. So that's the type of music I listen to. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah. He told me to just watch it. So just observe it. Don't try. And it eventually left. But yeah. I realized that mu music was a for a little while, music was a big, a big source of pleasure, like it is for most kids, most adults too. It is. Um, it is. But it, when you're a teenager, especially, it acts exactly like a drug. Does the same exact thing, just like nicotine, just like heroin, just like cocaine. These are all things that 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 you know generate. They get your brain going. They get you you know, get those and get those uh, the dopamine flowing and the just yeah. your serotonin and norepinephrine and everything. And it just it make it gives you pleasure. It gives you pleasure. All sounds do bells. Yeah, chimes. Uh, chimes. Those uh, meditations where boom, yeah, and you just sit there. That's meant to do that. People use anything, exercise. It's, it's much better to observe what's making you feel bad, just see it, right? than to try and- Not analyze it. No, not analyze it, than to try and 
compensate for it with these ni- niceties. Right. Whether it be you know, food, whether it be chimes, like you chimes, said. Chimes. Yeah. Or music, rock and roll music. I abused music when I, I remember putting on Jimi Hendrix when I was really young and listening to Jimi Hendrix. It gave me goosebumps. Yeah. I was like, holy mackerel, how can anybody do this? There's only something that feels very bad that needs to feel good. And you will seek those things out when you feel bad. The cure for that is to find out what's making you feel bad. Right. And then stop that. Find out what the cure is for that. The solution. So you see, it's not just drugs. It's it. It could be music. It can be you know. It can be food. It could yeah. be anything that makes you feel better than you deserve to feel can become an addiction. And that's why I didn't want to talk only about nicotine. When someone has a smoking problem, I'll talk about. It. Once you understand that, you won't necessarily grasp the the physical particulars of each substance. Right. But when somebody tells you, "Oh, you don't understand. You've never." You know, you've never been addicted to cigarettes before or something. It's like, no, I, well, I get why, just like I get why I listened to too much music when I was a teenager. Or I get why I ate too much cake yesterday. Once it, it's a general concept that applies to all things. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take an ex addict in a particular substance to totally, to, to, to explain exactly why somebody's addicted to it. Not really. Not really. You know? There are certain realms where that's helpful, like in 12 steps, right? Of course. That's very helpful. Oh, oh, oh yeah. It's no, I, I don't mean help. Uh, yeah. Oh, but, absolutely. But I mean, uh, uh, just a general understanding, uh, you're, you're not completely ignorant just because you haven't tried LSD. Yeah, You right. know why you shouldn't do it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I know why I don't want LSD without trying it. I don't need to try it to know. To know, right. right. Problem is, well, if you try LSD, you'll think it was a wonderful thing. That's okay. A, that's another thing about LSD. People who take LSD go about the go around the rest of their lives talking about how well, I'm never going to do it again, and I don't recommend it for everybody. But it made me a better person. Where does that come yeah. from? We'll talk about that one day. Um, but I mean, when it comes the use of drugs to reach an enlightened state. Oh my God! Yeah, right. right. DMT, peyote, peyote, uh, peyote. How pe- it, peyote, I think. Yeah. Or you could just take a frog and lick its lick its butt. Okay. <laughs> I haven't done that one. Me, me neither. I haven't done that one either. Not since summer camp. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the thing is, it's the need. The need for these things comes along, but where does it come along from? And if you get down to what the cause of the need is, it always comes down to that one single thing, mm-hmm. which is why I can talk about smoking and overeating and drug addiction all at the same time. A person that's afflicted or having that problem or is <laughs> concentrating on that is not going to identify. They're going to think that I'm too broad, but it always comes down to that. And, and, and I'll mention 12 steps again, even in 12 steps. What's the first thing that they go for right away? The resentments. Yeah. Because it's that emotion that creates the need. The need for the relief, for the pain, for the guilt, for what? Playing God. Yeah. Always comes down to that. Okay. Okay, I think that's it for today. I don't know the episode number. Is it 22? I think it's episode number 22. Join us again next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.